Welcome once again to Season 3 of the Acme Writing Academy Podcast. This is Rick Crisman, your erstwhile host who is taking the day off in order to send you northward to Forest Grove, Oregon, an undisclosed location number two, where today the show will be anchored by novelist, short story writer, and educator, Mary Helen Stefaniak. So off we go. Come in, Mary Helen. Are you there? Hello, and welcome to Acme Writing Academy. This is Mary Helen Stefaniak, which is kind of a mouthful. (laughs) And I'm here with fiction writer Kelly Wells and all kinds of writer Mike Magnuson. Yep. And uh, we are uh, here to talk about (laughs) stuff, words. (laughs) Stuff and things. Words on the page. Yeah. Words already on the page, or words that might get to the page eventually, or words that are currently in our heads that we might never put on the page. <laughs> 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 and uh, so uh, we were thinking, uh, Kelly, you're thinking a lot about noir. Yes, I, I am. So I've written a story. I, in fact, I just finished it this afternoon. Um, in the in the genre, I'm calling crone noir. <laughs> crone noir features a crone, an apocalyptic crone. Um, and so, as I was, it's you know, it's um, it's an antique version of the noir as I imagine it. But one of the things that I was thinking about as I was writing it, and I, I um, posed this to the um, Facebook Brain Trust, <laughs> which is where I get all my writing tips. Um, one of the things that, I, that was happening as I was writing this story is a lot of the, um, a lot of the nefarious uh, goings-on were coming out through dialogue rather than actually being, you know, dramatized on the page. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if that's because I'm not very good at this genre (laughs) or if that's actually a feature of the genre. So I went to Facebook. Turns out it is, in fact, a feature of noir that a lot of what, and it's really kind of great because I don't, I'm not a plot, not a plotter, not a very good plotter. So, but I had to come up with a, you know, a very convoluted plot actually for for this story. But I didn't really want to. I didn't want to dramatize all of the chicanery. So, um, so it ends up coming out a lot where characters are just saying, "Oh, so lefty, I remember that you did that thing," and they'll just like <laughs> spill the the events rather than my having to uh, animate them on the page. And I guess that is kind of a, a feature. Maybe it's a feature of many genres, actually. But you know, in in so-called literary fiction, that I think that's considered a kind of hackneyed, verboten thing to to have a character simply describe the thing that you don't actually want to illustrate. But in noir, especially in you know satirical noir, as it turns out, it's very useful. You can just have characters. Tell, just spill the whole the whole caper um, in dialogue, which is what I what I do. Although kind of comically, because there's you know the the story recognizes that that is itself a kind of silly device. 
So can, can we back up a second? Sure. Because this, this is a question I, I've always wanted to ask you. It's like, it might actually be a complicated subject. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know we're all tired and Uh-oh. late in life or whatever. <laughs> but so now, what, what do you mean by a chrome? Mm. Well, I mean, originally I was thinking of, of uh, the crone figures that um, populate fairy tales and folk tales. You know, okay. the, 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 the wizened, often very devious uh, um, old woman, you know, like a Baba Yaga figure. Mm-hmm. Baba Yaga is, you know, sort of the queen of all crones. Um, okay. That usually she's, um, I mean, the thing that interests me about the crone is, is thinking about, um, thinking about old, old women in our culture and their invisibility and, um, and uh, the way we get dismissed or um, uh, disregarded and then sort of putting that together with the figure of the crone as, as I've uh, imagined it, which I, and I'm drawing from folk tales and fairy tales, but they, they often, you know, they have powers or available yeah, to them. Yeah, they have power, they're not. Yeah, and, and uh, so that's, that's sort of muddled, but that's... Okay, I, I, and you know, that, that's probably my fault, you know. Somehow I, I was, at first I thought it was K-R-O-H-N. Oh. And I thought well, it had something that everybody had, some, you know, autoimmune disease. That's <laughs> funny. Like, I'm not kidding, that's, that's what I thought. No, that's funny because somebody came up to me, um, it was a previous Crone story that I did a reading of, and said, you know, for a long time I thought you were talking about the illness, but it kind of works. Right, I, I, I was like, wow, man, this really does work, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I'm talking about the yeah the woman, the, a, a woman, an elderly woman. Okay, and uh, and for the Acme Writing Academy audience, they probably they don't know it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> our audience of one <laughs> in Bangor, Maine, or wherever it would be. Well, maybe we should spell it, Crone. C R O N E. C R O N E. C R O N E. Yeah. So my subsequent question mm-hmm. is: You're writing noir and. You know, you don't, I don't, I, would you describe her style, Mary Helen, as a standard noir kind of style? It's not standard noir. <laughs> First of all, I mean, as far as noir goes, I, I don't know, I tend to think of noir in terms of film rather than fiction, although yeah. uh, certainly there are, you know, mysteries uh, that are written in a kind right. of noir style, Walter Mosley or, yeah, you know. Sure. Or, yeah. And that actually, it seems to me, maybe that's why you can get away with accomplishing so much in dialogue, precisely because it kind of comes from, precisely, you know, precisely because <laughs> it comes out of, out of film. Um, and, yeah. and maybe even like, what about radio noir? Have, do you, have you listened to any old radio? Does that have a, I wonder if that... Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I haven't, but I sort of heard it in my ear as I was writing it, I imagined, oh, this would make an interesting radio play. Part yeah, it sounds so like, much dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that would also account for why you can, uh, why a feature of it is to get things across in dialogue. Right. Yes. And the thing is, is you know, we were here at the, the other undisclosed location, <laughs> and you read this week, and it was, uh, you know, it was noir, the way you did the voices. 
you know. But at the same time, I, I can only compare your writing style to drumming because I think about drumming more than writing. And there's certain to kind drumming of, to drumming. Okay. There's certain kind of maybe jazz fusion drummers who are super. They can that you wouldn't believe the amount of different licks they can play. And you go to a two-hour show and they never repeat it. I, I just can't imagine how that would be, you know. Mm -hmm. And and you, the, the your level of invention is ridiculous. Like you know, I can't believe it. Just when you think that you've exhausted every possible joke or thing you could pull out of it, there's another thing that you never heard. It takes so, it one more step. Right. So that it, it, it struck me as such a such a wonderful thing that that you're taking that style of yours, which is florid, I would say. Florid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's in, in a nice way, and then applying it to a thing that is, I think, kind of a. Kind of lean, yeah, hard-boiled. Yeah, you think of it all as three-word sentences, and it's just gigantic. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that was one of the fun things about it was to sort of to. I always like to come up with these things where I can kind of step out of my my what what comes naturally to me. And noir doesn't necessarily come naturally to me, although I've watched a lot of noir and I've read a lot of Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett. And so my mother, who was born in 1920, mm. was a huge uh, film lover, and she would read photo plays, pho like the the magazine photo play. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And so she knew all the actors. And so this was a thing that we would do together. Is when I was a child, we would watch black and white movies together and. She would know all of the, you know, all of the B actors, or she would know all of the actors, period. And then she'd know things about their, supposedly, you know, things about their private lives or their habits or dispositions because she read, she read about them in photo play. So she'd be like, "Oh, look, it's it's the band leader Xavier Cugat," and mm -hmm. she she just so I, so I watched and learned about movies, and a lot of the movies that we watched were. Uh, noir films uh, so it's kind of, so the story's kind of an homage to her so I guess I absorbed it you know as I as a child I kind of absorbed the patter but it's I mean it's so distinctive it's really kind of easy to pick up I right. think um, so I thought oh that would be really fun to write but to write it you know in a kind of not entirely serious way I don't if I was really trying to write a serious noir I think I'd have a hard time with it but since it was kind of a comic exactly a send-up, a, a comic inhabiting of the form, um, then, then that frees you up to say any ridiculous thing, you know. Right. Although at the end of the story, I'm a little worried actually about, at the end of the story, I get up to my old tricks, I think, sentence-wise, and I might have to scale it back so that it matches the rest of the story. But at the, the, the last part of the story is this one long, like, seven-page scene where everything gets wrapped up and you know <laughs> nice. revealed something I never do in fiction which was fun but um, the sentences are a little florid <laughs> so I, I might have to see now I feel bad that I use no that no it's, I, I, it's, you know, you're not wrong we all love a florid sentence <laughs> yeah I mean you're syntactical gymnastics <laughs> are a big part of what you know we enjoy about your work uh, I mean the content is also twisting and turning as the syntax goes on and on right. you know it's good and the word choice and the diction and stuff you know so just just how long does it take you to, to do a sentence yeah of that I, type 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I uh, labor over the sentences. I, it's true, um, and I, I, with this story, I because there was an actual plot and things, you know, had to actually happen, <laughs> as is not my usual want. Um, I, I did kind of press forward in a way that's not typical for me, but, but usually I do. I do sort of labor over the sentences and I, I move forward um, only after I've a sense, I, you know, I can bear to hear it out loud. Um, and and that's, that creates momentum for me. I mean, I know it doesn't necessarily create momentum for the reader or the listener, but for me, that's kind of how I create momentum. I sort of swing from sentence to sentence rather than from event to event or action to action or interaction to interaction. Well, I think that does uh, invent, I mean, does create momentum for the reader. You think? Yeah, as we're reading, it's going much faster than as you're writing it. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. we don't sure. have to stop, you know, and be satisfied. We're satisfied on the first uh, reading precisely, again, precisely, because um, <laughs> you, uh, because you have already made it slide right to the next one. Right. Okay. Well, leap, I'm slide, that's leap, happening. whatever it has to do. Yeah. So, how, so it's, I think we all have different approaches then. So, what, what yeah. do you, what do you, what yeah. do you do when you're, do you, do you go like, so to correctly summarize, if I can, Kelly, sure. please. Are you saying that you construct your stories one sentence at a time, or you write out a scene and come back and fiddle with it afterwards, or? I'm I, for this. This story was a di little different, but um, is that because of the time constraint? Because you had to get it ready for performance. No, it was actually because of the form. Because I actually had the, I had a plot this time. Oh, and so okay. I, <laughs> I, <if> I, <laughs> a plot. Gosh, <laughs> never. I know. If I if things if there weren't things that I knew had to happen, that then I I would have um, my usual method is to. Um, yeah, is to is to labor over individual sentences, and and to not move forward until I get one the way that I like it. Um, and so the like for me the act of composition revision is embedded in the act of composition like constantly. It's not a thing that like I spit it out and I go back. I'm mm. I'm just not that kind of writer. However, for this story, I did I did a bit of both. Uh, I had to move forward because I was forgetting. It's it's a super convoluted. Plot. It's an end of the, you know, an end of the world plot, and I was forgetting, I was forgetting my own my own convolutions. <laughs> As I spent too much time on the sentences, I was like, wait, there was that thing that needed to be stated that I have to move forward from. Wow. So I, so I, I moved, uh, I moved a little more hastily through the writing of this story than I typically do. So when you get to the end of a story, usually, it's finished. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, go ahead. Were you going no, to? no, no. That's no, that's right. I was thinking. Well, so I don't know if we want to talk about students, but what I'm thinking about is that's probably not what you tell your students to do. <laughs> <laughs> or well, maybe you say, "Go ahead, do it whatever way works." Yeah. No, I don't tell. I really don't tell my stu students what to do, pro process-wise. I really think that. It took me a long time to kind of accept that as my process. It seemed wrong and bad and not like what I'd heard no. writers actually do. 
I heard that you get your story onto the page, you know, just keep moving forward, just put it down and keep moving forward, mm -hmm. then you go back. That's what I heard was like the, um, the legitimate way to write a story. The and American was... military industrial complex <laughs> writing method. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> We work every day and we Right, you move forward. And, uh, and I, I've never really written that way. And I felt shame about it, and so <laughs> I, there are many things I have felt shame about. That's just one. That's just one. But um, I just thought I was getting it wrong, and so uh, so I tried to write that way and produced bad writing as a result because it just wasn't native to me. It wasn't my impulse. So I, whatever somebody's, whatever their you know their organic process is. I try to encourage them to embrace it, whatever it is, because I think if you're if you're constantly working against it because you have some idea about what a real writer's practice looks like, then you're just that self-negation is gonna catch up with you at some point. It did with me. Eventually I had to say, okay, this is this is not this is not me. This is not my process. And I had to say that about a lot of things because I had a lot of ideas about, received ideas about what it is to be a real writer or a good writer or a legitimate I think, writer. I was going to say, I think there's a woodpecker. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I'm really thinking it's a mouse, to tell you the truth. That's, that's what they sound like when they're in the woodwork. But. It's a very rhythmic mouse. <laughs> well, all right, so in addition to Kelly Wells and Mike Magnuson, we have the, the mouse. <laughs> yes, the ghost the, mouse. The undisclosed location, <laughs> Roman <Mouse>. choir, <laughs> <laughs> or something, or maybe. So, so what happens, Kelly? When like, like I, I knew people like this. You, do you remember Brady Udall? Mm -hmm. You know, that's how he wrote too. Like, you know, and he's writing big books, and and it's going to be one sentence at a time, and that's that's the way God intended it, and that's what he was going to do. <laughs> you know, so what happens when you? got something and your story seemed kind of over 4,000, 5,000 words, right? You kind of you kind of write long ball. What do you do when editorial hits you? Editorial? Yeah, when somebody, like, do you have an editor going and, oh. and slice you and dice you and stuff like that? Make you rewrite things? Or your Mozart, like, and... You mean like my own internal editor? Or do no, you mean an like, like editor, an editor. editor. So, mm -hmm. like, you submit this so they had to print it. And they, you know, but we'd like you to change the ending or something like that. Yeah, know. that happened, sure. And you know, I'm capable. Of, I'm capable of doing that. Um, <laughs> I can. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> mean that. She. I, I didn't mean to make her Florida defensive. as I am. <laughs> oh God! This is. You know, I, I've always thought that Kelly was one of my friends, but this is the end. Apparently, it's all over. No, I mean, sure. Uh, I get. Uh, editorial advice to, to, to do things and I actually take a lot of pleasure in that and so yes when when Mary Helen said when you get to the end of the story you're at the end I'm yeah I'm at a provisional end of course and then right. if an editor says well you need more work here then I'm I'm actually happy to get that kind of feedback and to work more yeah because just because you built it sentence by sentence doesn't mean you can't replace sentences no. or remove sentences. Right, you know. add things, take yeah. things away. And I, this, this noir story, I, Tom, my partner, is a, really, um, is a really excellent plotter. Like, if you ever need a plot doctor, Tom is amazing. I'm going to be calling him. Yes, he's, he's a <laughs> plotologist. And so I, 
I, I sent him the story and, he, and uh, you know, he read it and he was like, okay, well, you've got, you've got things in place, but now you gotta, you, you, gotta, you gotta make this happen after this scene and then you know you gotta bring these characters together and by the end you need these two people to be on stage by themselves and that's, you know, so he gave me all these oh, tips wow. and, I, and I was like, oh yeah, I was taking notes and I went back and, and did all the things he suggested because they were really excellent suggestions. So yeah, I can take, I can take direction. <laughs> yeah, you wonder about that, and you know, because we're all teachers and work with people, you know. And then you know, your inclination, Mary Helen, is to is to not you want people to start cranking out work, right? That's what you'd like. No, not necessarily. Okay. Maybe that's my inclination. Oh. I'm trying to project my thinking onto you. Well, what I was thinking that uh, um, here at the at the location at the. <laughs> We've been listening to some <laughs> people talking part. about writing for a few days, and uh, mm -hmm. and so and sometimes, yeah, I hear. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to name names, but I, you know, somebody starts talking about how you're working on this novel, and you need to keep the all sorts of things. You know, there yeah. needs to be the arc that has to stop. You know, it's got to reach a point here, and then it's got to go higher there, and then it's got to go oh, higher right, there. Yeah. But also. Uh, just the don't look back kind of thing. Don't right. look back and keep rewriting, go forward. Well, I can't do that. I can't just go forward. So, you know, I, I have to look back. And I, partly I think it's because I can't remember, as you say. <laughs> you know, you have to reread what you wrote. Although I also have to, you know, like keep track in a notebook yeah, or somehow on, a board, on, a, on the wall with something long. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I um, uh, I was very encouraged to hear about the many different ways that uh, one writer among us, can we mention the writer? Sure. Okay. Well, when Willie was talking, yeah. Willie Vlatton, mm -hmm. about his novel, uh, which yeah. ends up being um, Don't Skip Out on Me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Don't title. Skip Out on Me. Um, which is still forthcoming, I think. Or is it done? Well, it's never mind. Anyway, it's done. It's done. Okay. Well, it's done. We know it's done. It's coming uh, soon to a mall near you. Yeah, right. Coming soon. The um, or else it's already there. But uh, you know, he talked about writing a part and then realizing no, this it can't go this way. And then trying something else, and then writing something else, yeah. and you know they ride off into the sunset together, and she drowns in the bathtub in the next version, and so on. You know, right. and uh, the. Uh, uh, that's more, that's kind of more like how I would work. And then once I got something that I thought worked for this part, because it doesn't have to just be the end that you're trying to figure out, it can just be the next chunk, you know, the next move forward, mm -hmm. the next move upward. And once I get that, then I can keep going. But I, I can't keep going and going if I don't feel as if I have some ground to stand on that I'm enjoying. You know, it's right. like that right. makes some kind of sense, but also that I'm enjoying. You know, I want to be there. Right. And but, uh, and plying all, I think plying. I, I found that talk really reassuring too. And I think plying all those possibilities, like like you're talking about, Mary Helen, is is itself a kind of going forward and mm -hmm. a kind of momentum, even if it's not, you know, chronologically one foot in front of another. Uh, of another. Mm -hmm. I, I just think there's a lot of different ways. And in a novel, it's especially important. I mean, in, in the long form, 
momentum, creating momentum for yourself and the writing of it yes. is so important. And it, that's something I'm really mindful of with students is like not wanting to give them any kind of feedback that's going to be an impediment to whatever kind of momentum they have going on because that's just deadly and then you get stymied and, and I don't know, stultification in a novel can can really be the death knell of that book if it happens in the wrong place, you know. But so I think there are a lot of different ways of of creating momentum for yourself and moving from point A to point B is one obvious strategy, but that's not like the only strategy. And these various like um, narrative tributaries, pursuing them until you find the one that's going to actually get you to the river, I think is is a perfectly worthy practice and, and method, I, I hope. You know what, I, 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 I guess I agree with that. It's everybody's way of playing. But like, you know, in, in our day and age, we like to have it codified for us, you know? Like this is the way, yeah, this, this is the way all my doing. people write books like this. You can, you, you know, so we're not alike, you know? But I, I, I often, I, I've, I've written on the national write a novel in a month month thing, you know? Yeah, I've, I've never you? really done it, but I write in, in that method. Yeah. And this has caused me to, I have several books, you know, from, you know, 10 years ago or something that I wrote them and I just never finished them. And the reason I never finished them is I wrote them all out and it's just shit. <laughs> you know, and I would have to go in and spend another like walk. 20 hours <laughs> on each page to yeah. make it even, you know. But I already, I got my jollies out of the experience already. Yep. And then I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's different. So I suppose if you, you know, I, I, and I still do that, you know. Like here, I got, I got a notebook here and it's, you know, I write everything out by hand. You know, yeah, and then type it in and revise it as I type it in. And that's that's highly inefficient. You know, why? I don't think that's so inefficient. But maybe you know, maybe the novel that you go on to write and finish after this one couldn't have been written without this kind of preparation. So, right. you know, I think it's all, I think it's all useful, and and um, even if it if if the thing itself doesn't turn into. Um, a finished product, that doesn't mean that that wasn't um, absolutely a, an essential piece of writing. It just didn't turn into a finished product. Right. It's that extra mile, you know? Yeah. yeah some character out of there or some detail that came up as you were writing it, you know, could, uh, that, another thing is it can show up in something else, you know, it can right. spark, spark something right. else. Yeah. I, I think I kind of do a combination of um, I don't write things in order for stories or for novels. I write them as they, they come, come to me, uh, you know. Uh. And so, uh, um, as I, when I was working on um, the Caliphs of Baghdad, Georgia, whenever I, which has this first-person narrator, yeah. you know, it was a, 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 and a, a complicated kid. structure. And uh, right, well, whenever Gladys, who was the narrator, talked to me. I started writing it down. I, mean, I didn't care what she was saying. You know, it was because a big part of it was trying to get her voice. So even if she was talking about stuff that ended up not in the novel, you could like from sometimes just from a, a, a sentence or two, you could sort of. I thought of it as cloning her voice. You know, I'd sort of get this this bit. All I needed for her was for her to say this much, and then I could. Have her talk about something else, mm -hmm. or, or you know, sometimes when she would talk, 
that would end up in the book. I mean, you know, it was part of. But I, if my if my narrator, whether it's a first person narrator or third, mm -hmm. if any kind of narrative voice starts talking in my head, I quick write it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, some of it you use, and some of it you don't. And when when you're farther along in a book, then you know, you hope that the narrative voice that keeps speaking to you, the narrative voice of the book thus far, will keep visiting you, you know, but, right. you know, I, but you don't get things in order in that case at all, you know, you write it down. So when you're writing in that method, Mary Helen, you, uh, you're just trying to catch it, you want to catch a, an edge, a wave or something like when you're there. So you're, you got your time allotted and you got to catch something, so whatever is going to work, works. You know, well, it doesn't if, necessarily work. I mean, it not, might not ever end up in in the book at all. Mm -hmm. I'm just when it, once the word words start coming, and it's usually in the voice of the narrator, whether it's a yeah. it's in a narrative voice, whether it's the first person a character or not, uh, then I just write it down. I mean, I just write it down. I guess it's like I'm writing down any time words occur to me in any kind of sequential order. I think, right. thank the Lord. And I, you know, and I spew them out as fast as I can. You know, it's the old, also the old thing where if you don't write it down, even just a turn of phrase, obviously, or, or an image, or, yeah. you know, words that came to your mind as you were seeing those raccoons go at it, you know, right. by, the, by the dumpster. Uh, those are you got to write those down um, so that so that you don't lose it. Yeah. But it is really it's not just a matter of losing um, an idea or losing an image. I don't want to say just a matter, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm really talking about is just the the words start coming and they have to be about something. Right. I mean, and the, sure, sure enough, they are about something, and so you write them down. And if if they end up in the book, that means they were like you know they were like. I don't know, they were like yeast, they were, you know, they, they, <laughs> they made the whole thing balloon up and blah. Wow. But a lot of it you throw away. Right. But you don't know when it's, you don't know when the book, maybe I just, I'm just a little, maybe I'm mentally ill, you know, I don't know, voices occur, or maybe I'm blessed, you know, in uh, some kind of heavenly way, and voices speak to me, <laughs> and I write them down. But um, I don't actually hear them, I want you to know. I mean, I hear them in my head, I don't hear them. I don't think they're behind me or something. <laughs> you know, I hear you like, I, so the reason I'm asking you, Mary Helen, about catching waves, and you, to me, like when I'm writing, maybe it's just because of computers, maybe this is why I write by hand now. Every time I write, I feel, I feel that it's just never gonna be up to snuff. And it's beyond having, I had anxiety, just like everybody else, mm -hmm. but it's, I just know that I can fix this. I know that I can do better. <laughs> and I can do it right here with this machine, you know? <laughs> so then, therefore, that, that just slows me way yeah. down. I mean, I, I swear to God, a good day for me anymore would be 200 words, maybe 250. And this is after sitting there, you know? Because then I'll, I'll, like, I'll write part of a sentence or something, and then I'll, you know, lie down on the floor under my desk or something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not exactly, but you know, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. and I just can't move forward. So, the, so to mitigate that, I've adopted this vomit it all out by hand thing because at least I can do something with myself. Does See, that make sense? I, I worry about so that. So you're 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 saying sort of the opposite that that um, 
for you because you feel like you're, you're, what you're writing, you can, you can do it better. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's like the opposite of momentum. You stop and, and it, it's disruptive right. and, right. and. And it, it's not like I'm not creating on a regular basis. It's not like that at all. It's just, I, I remember when I was a younger writer, if I would get like a, a magazine piece that had to be a thousand words long, I, I would never be able to shrink it down. And now, like, man, that seemed kind of a little long to me, man. Can we just do 500? You know, because, yeah. like, like, I'm kind of done. I wrote a couple of fancy things. <laughs> See you later. And, and with the novel, you know, I just think the slower it gets, I don't know, it's not, it's not a, it, I, and then a, we know novelists. They got, they got a novel every time you turn around. There's three of them or something. Yeah. It just, it just, just breaks my to. heart that I can't do it. And, and I have students like me. We all end up with students like ourselves in certain ways, you know, with the same you, problem. Where do you think this comes from since it was, this hasn't, this is relatively recent? This isn't your, always been the way for you? Yeah, the, probably the last, probably the last, is actually since I've been hanging around at the undisclosed location, I think it's been happening. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in a well, good way. Sad. Well, I'm just, I, 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 in my sense, I feel like I know more about the, language and uh, what I'm thinking about than I can ever manifest on a page. Oh, yeah, I know that. You know, I it makes you I just, nervous a little, yeah. makes me nervous. Yeah. I can't do it. I got it in my head. It's just freaking perfect. And that... It's for real. Just, yeah, the disjunction between the imagined and the yeah. articulated... And there it is, and then he's got a clunky that, thing. Dis the disappointment that... Yeah. We all, I mean, we all have that. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, that... Yeah. Um, mm. You have, it's it's all you know, extraordinary and beautiful in your in your mind. That's why you want to write it in the first place, and then that that act of translation onto the page mm -hmm. necessarily falls short. I think, usually, mm -hmm. I, I that it seems to be commonplace that that's the case. It happens for me certainly, but I you know I don't know. I'm kind of a contrarian, so. I press forward dis despite my own self-disappointments. <laughs> well, but that kind of what you were talking about, you know, that you've got the computer and so you can, mm -hmm. you know, edit the brains out of this passage and, and, and then you can do it this way, this way, that way. Um, and that's a problem. But, and maybe that's the kind of problem that those writers who tell you uh, or teachers who say, you know, don't look back, go forward. They're worried right. about you exactly know, that, that problem, that if, mm -hmm. you, if you look back, in other words, you look back over your page, then that kills your momentum right. because you, you keep laboring over it. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, you say you have 250 wor 200, 250 words, I'm thinking, what are you complaining about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, you know. I mean, even if it took hours. I, Man, I remember my first novel. The, the the first novel I published was the fifth novel I wrote. You know, but I, I remember at that time I was it was right about the time you could count words on the screen. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's seductive. Yeah, I was doing like twelve hundred word days, like every day. You know, and that's when like once I got over a thousand, kind of buttoned up, I'd be like, ooh. Well, I haven't yeah. had a thousand word day in twenty years. You know, yeah, I you probably run slower. Well, too, I, I, I mean, I, I write a lot more slowly than I used to. Too. I mean, it, that just seems n n normal, doesn't it? I mean, like that. The more the more you know, and the more you become mindful of in 
uh, about the craft and, and your subject matter or what have you, you now can conceptualize the absences in, the, in your own sort of um, abilities, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so you know, what, you know what's possible and, and you're more widely read than you, know, you were when you first started writing. And so your palette is a lot bigger and there are a lot more things that you can choose from and you're now choosing very thoughtfully rather than right. by default as a result of a limited exposure. So that's, that's so it's not necessarily lack of enthusiasm. I don't think so. It can be just that just things aren't going to think more about it's it, correct? Because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a thoughtful writer. Like you're not that right. you weren't always, but you, you know, as one gets older and reads more and has more experience, you necessarily become, right. you know, you evolve and become more thoughtful. So yeah, I suppose in a way you're carrying more. It's like you have more, like more, more on your palate is a, yeah. or a bigger palate is a good, good uh, metaphor. But <laughs> you know that you're you're kind of carrying a lot of stuff. You got a lot of that um, you know you know you now know how to deploy. Right, right. <laughs> right. So you have to consider all of that stuff. I'm sorry, I'm a loud laugher. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. I'm also a cackler. Um, you know what I love best about the crone noir, oh, though, right. is the crones. I mean, you know, the, I, the noir is great, but I mean, you could put the crones anywhere, you know, in, in a noir or in a kind of fairy tale situation or, you know, working at the bank. Yeah. And, uh, yes. It's, it's, you know, They're very elastic. Yes. <laughs> the crones are wonderful I, and so important. I would love yes. to see that Thanks. on television. I keep thinking, like, if, like whoever whoever's out in the television business out there, I think that would be such a cool cartoon. <laughs> oh, a cartoon. Right? Yeah. Because be like, yeah. yeah. then they could because My first love. <laughs> but, you know, if you haven't heard Kelly read this stuff, or she does weird voices and things. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And like that, that fits perfectly for <laughs> cartoons. I don't know. <laughs> We've yeah. little crazy old lady yeah. <laughs> talking noir. So, what do you think about with that? This is this is another Kelly Wells question. So, you perform your stuff. It's a it's a performance. Mm, you know, thanks. you got to get up there and lay it out there, and it's, you do the voices, and you, you know, it's it's a full on dramatic thing. So, how does that differ? from how you consider it on the page for somebody who's not going to hear it out loud. Mm. Yeah, well, um, I do worry that uh, in the absence of my vocal interpretation, <laughs> you know, it may not come across on the page. Uh, so it's a, but you know, it's, I'm really, I'm writing it. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm writing it, well, this story in particular, I was writing it thinking, oh, I've got, I've got to come up with something to read here. So I did, I was thinking about having to perform it, but in general, I'm going to want it to be part of a book because I'm writing a, a collection of crone stories. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to want it to be able to live on the page. Right. And, you know, I'm just trying to, uh, I'm trying to get those, you know, those noir cadences also familiar, you know, sort of expressions in a kind of 1940s language of a sort in order, in 
order for the reader to be able to sort of reproduce those those voices in readers can reproduce it in their own ears I hope I mean I don't I don't know I'll I'll give it to you and you can read it on the page and tell me if if it works in the absence of oh my it's hard to say well I'm ruined for it because I I've heard you read for years and I yeah. I read your stuff and I'm like my god that I just hear you my voice I mean that's yeah, just yeah, actually, Mary Helen too yeah yeah you're yeah. like yes. oh my god that yeah. sounds just like Mary Helen right yeah that's right I that's true when I read Caleb's back to George I definitely had your cadences in my, my ear but I but well, also you've heard me read from it but the voice is so, but I think Gladys's voice is so precise that I think that I could, would have heard something like that even without having heard you read it. So that's what yeah, I'm probably. hoping for. Is, you know that you would hope anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're hoping for. Exactly. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's such precision in that voice that I think you it, it starts to have a, its own kind of music in your and lilt in your ear as you're reading it on the page. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and that's all because every time Gladys would talk to me, I'd write it down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we get it down there. But I mean, I think if I were to read, uh, partly because you're familiar with noir and because, you know, the crone says, hey doll, or whatever, you know, <laughs> then you start hearing that, you know, voice. Right. I think the words on the page also, I, even though I heard you read it, I have no doubt that the words on the page would evoke that voice because you're going I mean that's a a very specific kind of voice and so you're making some very specific choices to make sure we hear it and right and then it'll sort of spread out over the page you know to the it's kind of you know it's I guess what I'm hoping for is that it's kind of like um, advice I've heard people give about writing and dialect that you get a little bit of it on the page and then the ear picks up on it so that you don't have to you know, phonetically reproduce it right. accurately. That's right, sort of right. Yeah, yeah, I used to call it little Lil Abnerisms. Little Abnerisms. Yeah, Lil like, you, like you, like you write the dialect, but cut all the G's out and all yeah. the stuff, and then it was just like Lil Abner. And then it just, it just embeds itself in your ear. Right, without having to do the right. stuff, you know. Right. There's some too, so you can you can go ahead and write in a in a in a uh, noir dialogue sound. You dirty rat! I don't even know. I'm not a noir guy, so I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. But these days, if you're good at writing voices that don't sound like yourself, you know, maybe it's not such a good idea anymore. You know. Mm. So what do we do about that? Are you talking about worrying about the A word? Oh, well, anything. I, oh, well, what's the A word? Appropriation. Oh, I thought it was like asshole. <laughs> I didn't think well, you'd yeah. be right about that A word. I mean, no, but there's, <laughs> you know, like I'll tell you, man, for, for my writing career, you know, I started out, my first novel that I published, it was like it was an inner city book. Mm -hmm. I can't do that anymore. And I, I mean, I'm not really complaining even, mm. you know, but it seems like the, the, the trick to writing, you know, Kelly, you do this, you guys do this, you, you, you hear people speak and then you capture the way they speak. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the game. But you know, anymore I'm thinking that I just gotta like, all my characters probably should come from like a 20 mile radius for where I live. Which, oh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I think this though, terrifying. Yeah, well I mean, you, know? you could write, you could write all kinds of great stuff, 
using just characters within a 20 mile radius of where you live. But I find, I, f I, I, I just can't believe that it could be a good thing to move, you know, strict segregation into literature. You know, it's bad enough in mm. uh, all the in neighborhoods, you know, or in right. schools. I just, I can't see it. Mm -hmm. Now there are, um, uh, I think you can, well, well, here's a, like an example, I guess, would be um, of trying to kind of have your cake and eat it too, <laughs> is it, with the Kalis, uh, the real, the protagonist in that novel is the 17-year-old black. Theo. Uh, yeah, uh, or the, the um, Theo Boykin, right? Theo He's Boykin. A 17 years old, an African American, and a boy. <laughs> and uh, um, so, but I couldn't write in his point of view. You know what I mean? So the point, he's, I know him very well, and I, I have no, I, I'm, maybe I should, but I don't have any compunction about putting him on the page. Now he speaks in terms of his dialogue. Mm -hmm. There are other characters, um, uh, black characters in the novel who probably speak, well, they don't sound that different from the white characters because they're all from this little town in in Georgia, you know, and they all sound like they're from a little town in Georgia. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, uh, but anyway, that was, that, that was, that's sort of what I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, I can't write Theo because that wouldn't be right. It's because I don't know how exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I need to see him from, I, I sort of know Gladys. Gladys is kind of me, even though she, I've never been to 1938. <laughs> but, um, uh, and I have written male characters. I've never written in the voice of, uh, the point of view in the voice of a character um, of a different race, I guess. But. Um, I've certainly written other different genders, and I certainly have have main characters like Theo and like the kind of Arabs and Muslims and middle uh -huh. uh, uh, mm -hmm. characters, Baghdad characters later in the book, um, who are are you know I write mm. you write their dialogue. It's a complicated matter. It well, is. I, yeah, it I, is. I probably shouldn't. Uh, no to Rick. We probably shouldn't have gone there, but it was, it was my it's fault. Just a thought. <laughs> Yeah, note to Rick, cut that all out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Although that would be a thing that, I mean, I, I feel like maybe it doesn't need to be in this because we're talking about something else, but right, right. Uh, I think another... You know, no, because see, what I think is like the, the whole, like, Kelly, you're putting on voices in there. You're throwing yeah. voices into yeah. the character and they're, they're not you at all. The, yeah. It's, it's yeah. these other, I mean, you can do them and it's funny and stuff, but they're... Yeah. They're not the way you Well, they're not ideologically controversial voices, you know. Like, I, right. I don't have a sense, I, I don't hesitate in thinking about, am I entitled to this material? At where, whereas if it was a different kind of voice or, or a different set of characters, I might ask those questions. Right when I got to Florida, my teacher, Paget Powell, I went to University of Florida, Paget was like, great, you want to hang out and stuff. He took me out to this fish camp outside of Gainesville, Florida, you know? And we get out of his, his, his like, truck, and, and this woman comes out, she's, she's wearing a flannel shirt, just like, a, she's like in her 80s, you know? And she, I, I didn't say anything, I was just standing there, she goes, 
you you talk like a Yankee and you act like one. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> 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 I didn't do nothing. I guess I just yeah, I just I get that like for driving a Prius down the street. So oh my. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of different markers of outsiderhood, you know. Yeah, that, that right. happen in different places. Yeah. I don't know. I I always feel bad about that. You know. I mean, I just, I, I worry that there, this will come a time where, you know, we're worried about appropriation, you know? I don't mean yeah. to stick on it, but like the most fun in writing is, is acting like other people. Well, that's true. You do want to be able to imagine your way into other people. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't hear it as much anymore, but I, I, when I was a younger writer in, in grad school and stuff, everybody was great at doing impressions. So, you know, you would, my, one of my teachers was Harry Cruz, you know, and there'd be like six people at a party doing, doing their Harry Cruz. It was amazing. There was one guy who would call up Paget Powell on the phone and actually make Paget think it was, was Harry. the other guy? <laughs> well, anyways. So we, we might have run the gamut of this uh, session. Yeah. We're, we're, we're up to yeah. 51 minutes right here. Yeah, should be enough. Material. All right, so for the... Do you, do you want to sign us out? Uh, what should I say? I don't know. <laughs> you, say you say it, and then I'll say it, and then you just cut out. You well, say this it. has been Mary Helen Stefaniak for the Acme Writing Academy. How's that? Oh, I should say that. <laughs> I like it when you say it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, and Mike is here, and so is Kelly. I'm about voices. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. This is Mary Helen's defining <laughs> This is Mary Helen's right. <laughs> Signing off for Acme Writing Academy. Our guest tonight has been Kelly Wells. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. All right. See you later. <laughs> See you.